Hey, it's Leah. Before we start this episode, I just wanted to tell you about this other show called Stuff the British Stole. It's from CBC Podcast and Australia Radio National, and it's got all the story elements I love. It's got colonial theft. It's got museums denying that theft. It's got intrigue. It's got jokes by Australians. Join host Mark Fresnel as he picks one artifact and takes you on the wild, evocative, sometimes funny, and often tragic adventure of how it got to where it is today. Check it out on the same thing that you're listening to this on or on CBC Listen. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Leah. And I'm Phelan. And this is the Secret Life of Canada Crash Course, a really quick look into one part of Canadian history. And I am so ready for this crash course. What are you going to tell me about? I'm going to tell you about Uncle Tom. That sounds familiar. He's a character from a book, right? I mean, kind of. Okay, you don't sound super sure. (laughs) No, I am sure. It's just that Uncle Tom refers to a lot of things. So Uncle Tom is the title character from Harriet Beecher Stowe's famous 1852 novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Right, okay. But it also can refer to Josiah Henson, an African-American man who escaped slavery and went on to live in Canada and whose house is now a National Historic Site in southwestern Ontario. It's near the community of Dresden. Okay, so Uncle Tom means Uncle Tom's Cabin, the book, and also the man Josiah Henson. Yes, but there's also another thing. Uncle Tom is now a derogatory term, right. which refers to a black person who's sold out, basically. So it's it's very complicated. Okay, I, I've kind of got it. So I'm going to need to hear about how it went from a book mm-hmm. to a really bad term. It's a bad term. It's not a good term, right? (laughs) It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, and I needed some help with that, too. So I talked to Dr. Cheryl Thompson. She's written the book called Uncle, Race, Nostalgia, and the Politics of Loyalty. I asked her to explain how Josiah Henson's own autobiography, what he wrote about his life, became the inspiration for Harriet Beecher Stowe's book called Uncle Tom's Cabin. Harriet Beecher Stowe was a white woman who fought really against the practice of slavery in her time. It's because in 1849, he writes a biography. And then that's the biography that Harry Beecher Stowe then reads and says, oh, let me get in touch with this Negro, (laughs) essentially. They start talking, exchanging letters, as it were. She then kind of takes his story and creates what was first um, a serial that ran in the national era in 1851, which is basically Uncle Tom's Cabin. But it's really kind of Josiah Henson's story, kind of. Then right. by 1852, it becomes the novel. So how is the story of Josiah Henson's life like different from Uncle Tom's Cabin? The novel. Okay, so Josiah Henson's story starts in 1789. That's when he's born near Port Tobacco in Charles County, Maryland. Uh, His story follows his life in enslavement and then his escape to freedom in Canada. As a child, Josiah witnessed his parents being brutally treated and eventually his father being sold. His experiences were terrible. And he experienced so much brutality that basically he was maimed from being beaten so much. He endured several different masters. And by 18, he became a Christian. At one point, he's forced to walk 18 other enslaved people across the states to Kentucky. So the 18 people could be sold off. That was his job to to 
basically usher them into this. During the trip, they passed through the state of Ohio, which was a free state at the time. The other enslaved people wanted to escape, but Josiah made them keep going. Uh, but why, why would I don't know why would he do that? Well, he believed the best way to get your freedom would be to buy yourself from your master so that you oh. you know you wouldn't be an escapee, I guess right to kind of like go through that way of I guess doing what it. he thought maybe was a legitimate way right um, right yeah but unfortunately, you know it didn't work out. Eventually, after years of hard labor, Josiah earned the money to free himself and his family from preaching. He was he would tour around and preach. His owner said that it would cost him $450 for his freedom and his family's. But after realizing Josiah actually earned the money, which, by the way, was a lot back then, in today's dollar, it would be about... Uh, 12 grand, 12 or 13 grand, his master raised the price of freedom to $1,000, which would have been close to $30,000. What a dick move. He was trash, mostly because he owned people, but also because of the price raise, right? Am I right? Yeah, like uh, that's like a double... Double. Double it and then some. Yeah. And, you know, when Josiah found out he was about to be sold away from his family, which is what happened next after this, he considered murdering his owner while he slept. I mean, understandable. I mean, 100%. (laughs) But basically being the devout Christian that he was, Josiah decided against violence. Instead, he and his family escaped to Canada through the Underground Railroad. And just a reminder, the Underground Railroad was a huge network of people, both black, white, and indigenous, who helped fugitive enslaved people escape to the northern free states and to Canada. That's right. And in this case, Josiah and his family made it with the help of many, including a Scottish dude who paid for their way on a ferry to Fort Erie, um, some Ojibwe people who helped the family navigate their way north. Like it was it was many people. Yeah. So they started a colony called the Dawn Settlement for other African-Americans and black loyalists. Josiah Henson became a notable and respected abolitionist and preacher in his community. He also continued to help enslaved African-Americans through the Underground Railroad uh, come up to Canada. Um, He eventually led a black militia unit in the Canadian Rebellion of 1837. He died in 1883, and 100 years later, in 1983, he became the first black person to be featured on a Canadian postage stamp. Oh, okay. So super interesting, but... In that story, I heard nothing about a guy named Uncle Tom. Like, is this a sequel thing or like, (laughs) when does he show up? Where's the cabin? You know. So, okay, let me then explain Harriet Beecher Stowe's book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. So that book follows the story of Uncle Tom, an enslaved African-American man who she portrays as a really dignified and very devout man, much like Josiah Henson. When he is about to be sold in an auction, Uncle Tom saves the life of a little white girl named Eva, whose father then purchases Tom as like a thank you, which that's a weird thank you, but let's just go with it. Okay. Eva and Tom soon become great friends. Eva gets sick, and on her deathbed, she asks her father to free all of his slaves. Her father agrees, but then is killed before he can do this, and then Tom is sold off. His new owner orders Tom's death, 
after Tom refuses to tell the location of some runaways. Tom always maintains his Christian attitude and he remains subservient as he forgives his enslavers for beating him as he dies. The enslaved people, I know, I know, the enslaved people who ran and who Tom protected make it to freedom in Canada. I don't really, um, (laughs) it's a lot. It's It's like, it is, it it is a lot. And you know, it's like a lot of trying to figure out who's telling what story, right. And whose voice and, and it's like some kind of good things mixed in with a lot of horrible horrible yeah a lot of horrible things it's really complicated to figure out how to feel in all of that I know I know and it's it's like yeah when I first read the description of the book and then started reading the book I was like um the thing is is this book for the time was the first of its kind and it did change people's outlooks so right i'm trying to look at it that Mm -hmm. way no absolutely and and you know that is the uh like that's the thing they say about history right it's like we can't judge that time with the values that we hold now it's It's true i mean i i personally think we can judge the hell out of it because people made a lot (laughs) of wrong (laughs) decisions as we do that's our entire show phelan it's true is us judging history but but it's true but in a way i mean we we have to look at context so this was the first of its kind um but then you know uncle tom turned into something really derogatory and i think it's for for exactly the reasons both of us are feeling. So to understand why, you need to know just how successful this book was in its time. It was enormous. It was huge. Uncle Tom's Cabin was the best-selling book of its time. It sold hundreds of thousands of copies in the U.S. and a million in the U.K. Wow. It was the Harry Potter of its time with a bigger impact. So um, without the, you know, movies or theme park or... Yeah. Unfortunately, you couldn't buy a mug of butterbeer at the Uncle Tom theme park, but it was made into a very successful play that was performed all over the world. It was a really big deal, and it was linked to, like I said, changing the mindset of many white people in the U.S. There is even a folk account that when Harriet Beecher Stowe met President Lincoln, he said to her... So you are the little woman who wrote the book that started this great war. This would be the American Civil War, which was fought between northern and southern states. Right. And the battle happened basically over whether the U.S. should maintain slavery. And so how does this positive turn Uncle Tom, like how does it turn from positive to negative for Uncle Tom? Okay, so Josiah, who is now forever connected to the Uncle Tom book, is in Dresden, Ontario after the Civil War, and his life was really hard for him. Actually, I'll let Cheryl explain. Josiah Hansen is not making a lot of money. He's he's mm. he's very poor. So what does he do? He then starts touring as the real Uncle Tom. So he literally goes on tour in the U.S., even to England, pretending to be this fictional character that was kind of based on his real life. So it's so that's that's the reason in the like cultural imagination why we 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 marry them together. And so when was the beginning of Uncle Tom seen as negative? 
Like, right. it was it right away or no. did this grow over time? No. So in the novel, Uncle Tom, he, he's, a, he's a martyr and kind of a hero. Right. Right. Because he takes, you know, he's like the, the pie in the sky. He takes it for the community. Right. He dies to save us all kind of thing. It's kind of have a, has like a Christian. Yeah. Um, very Jesus. Very Jesus-esque yeah. uh, theme. Then that's over. By the 1860s and 70s, you have the Uncle Tom's Cabin minstrel show that is essentially recreating this caricature. And it's very complex because at that same time in Amer- in Western culture, in the visual culture, you have this shift that's happening in the sort of the iconography of black masculinity. So during... Um, during the Civil War and before, black men were often seen as kneeling in reverence. So we can think of like the emancipation statue for uh, Abraham Lincoln. They're always seen as like kneeling with manacles, right, and that kind of symbolism. Post that, in the Reconstruction era, suddenly now black men are dangerous. So you know they're no longer kneeling. Now they're framed as the brute mm-hmm. or the rapist, mm-hmm. these really negative stereotypes. But at the same time, this other stereotype emerges of Uncle Tom as now an aged person. Mm. So Uncle Tom in the novel is not an old man. He's maybe late 40s, 50s. Suddenly, by reconstruction into the 20th century, Uncle Tom is an old man who is is docile. Um, for some reason, he is childish. Um, we can think about the Shirley Temple, Bill Robinson movies in the 1930s. It's graying. Um, your, the, their closest companion is a, a young girl. In the novel, Uncle Tom's closest companion was Little Eva. Right. But then little that mutates. And then into the minstrel show, it's still Uncle Tom and Little Eva. But each iteration, Uncle Tom is older and older and like more docile right. and And he'll do, he'll do whatever his white... Um, enslavers ask of him or the the white power asks of him, right? Like that's the trope. But the trope shifts in the 20th century to his closest companion and peer is basically an eight-year-old white girl. Okay, okay, I, I see. So what she's saying is the character Uncle Tom starts becoming more and more emasculated and more palatable for white audiences. He becomes a caricature. Right. And that character has some qualities that black communities are not feeling. He is docile. He says yes to things that are against his own self-interest. And he is treated and almost acts like a child. So the interesting thing is this derogatory term is more used by black people against other black people than by white people. Black people will use it as a derogatory term to describe someone who's a sellout, a person who's just only for white people people and its institutions or institutions. Here's what Cheryl had to say about the term and how it's morphed over time. The the interiority of race is that you have to present a mask. Right. Of like being a certain thing, right? Right. So always code gotta, switching, right? Code switching. I mean, Chris Rock talks about it. You know, old Willie smiling. Old Willie hates your guts. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But he has to do that right. to to exist. Right. So that's what happens through the Jim Crow era. Then in the 1960s, we got to change. Right. Now we're talking about Black Power. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Black Panthers. We're talking about a kind of Black masculinity that, we're, if we're honest, the world had never seen before. Assure of themselves. Right. We can think of Muhammad. Ali really encaptured this very self-assured 
says what's on their mind, does not care what the dominant culture thinks. So now that becomes an authentic blackness. So anything that's not that is seen as, well, you're selling out. Mm -hmm. Or like if you're seen as being too straight-laced and too into supporting authority, you then take on this moniker of being an Uncle Tom. And what is so fascinating is that it's, it's almost exclusively used by black people. You know, there's a book by Starco Brandio um, that he talks about that it's actually used to police the boundaries of blackness. Uh-huh. That that we have created this thing to almost protect ourselves from being overrun by individuals who are really mostly self-interested. So that is why it's so complicated because most people know it now as a derogatory term. But Josiah Henson is also so still attached to this character that his home is now known as Uncle Tom's Cabin. His burial site tombstone used to have the words Uncle Tom on it in the 60s and 70s. Like, you know, it was something that he didn't see as a negative at the time because of the book. Okay, right. But it also started as this game-changing book, right, which was inspired by his life, and that is now seen as having been instrumental in changing the course of slavery in the U.S. Yeah, and it helped Canada to be viewed as a safe haven for African Americans during the Underground Railroad. So hopefully you now feel like you can impress all your friends with your Uncle Tom knowledge. Yeah, you know, when I can go to dinner parties again or, you know, just out into the world, I'll just, you know, really impress everyone. <laughs> My knowledge of Uncle Tom will be a big hit. Awesome. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.